Welcome to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Reading is a skill taught in school, but experts say the ritual of reading is best begun in infancy. Babies can enjoy and benefit from having books read aloud to them, and that sets the stage for what can be a continued ritual through childhood and adulthood. Why is that important? Dr. Jacqueline Siskin, a pediatrician at Upstate, is here to talk about how books can be a tool for parents to use to broach difficult subjects with their children. Welcome, Dr. Siskin. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Well, let's start with how parents or guardians can begin this ritual of reading. Um, some people might wonder why it's important to read to a baby who can't, who can barely crawl, let alone read. So what are the benefits for the baby and the parent? I think that reading to a baby is a great way to establish a bond between the child and the caregiver. Um, most of the time, a baby doesn't sit up on their own, so the baby's on your lap, you're kind of cuddling. And most of the books written for children in that age group are very rhythmic. There's a lot of rhyme to them. There's sort of like a, a sing-song pattern to your voice as you read, and that can be very soothing and entertaining to a baby. And the books that I'm talking about in this type of category are the ones that four or eight or 12 years later, you can still like repeat. You know, So things like the Sandra Boynton books where there's a lot of rhyming, you know, a cow says moo, a sheep says ba, three little pigs say la la la. I mean, my oldest is memorize seven. it. I can still say that one by heart. Um, Pat the Bunny is another mm -hmm. one where there's touching and feeling, or, or I think most of us know Goodnight Moon, that sort of rhythmic, soothing pattern. And so not only is it a time to sit with your child and cuddle and have them engage in something where it's just one-on-one -on -one time with you and your child, but it's also setting the stage so that they feel like reading is part of a pattern so as they get older, it becomes okay. part of their routine. Well, as they get into school, you know, school ends up, there's a lot of reading with homework and that sort of thing. Um, is it important for them to also read for pleasure? I think so. I, I mean, you're talking to a reader, so I think reading is one of the most <laughs> relaxing things a person can do. But I also think it's important for them to realize that sometimes the, the work of school, which is important, but for some kids can feel like drudgery um, right. or can be very right. difficult, is that there's a whole world of pleasurable reading out there that books can be funny, that books can be engaging, that books can teach you another point of view. And uh, don't get me wrong, I think elementary and middle school teachers do a great job of incorporating those funny, engaging books. Um, but I think there is some excitement in discovering a book on your own that you're not reading you for choose, school, that, that you, you choose. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is also going to help uh, reading skills and decoding skills at home if you're into a book and you come across a tricky word either sounding it out or asking for help as to what that word means, um, really creates a sense of independence in a reader. Good. Now, when we talk about reading, does that is that limited to just books, or should you include magazines, newspapers, other uh, graphic novels, things like that? Yeah, I think that, um, there's certainly a question of what's age appropriate when we talk about magazines, okay. newspapers, and graphic novels. Um, certainly for upper-level middle schoolers and teenagers reading the newspaper or um, current magazines and being aware of what's going on in the world is important. A lot of parents perhaps don't want their elementary school kids seeing what's going on in the newspaper right. unfiltered. Right. Um, but graphic novels and uh, magazines, you know, for example, there are some great young children literary magazines. Um, Highlights has been around forever. It's still around. It's still right? around. Um, there's something called Cricket, and Cricket has younger children spin-offs like Ladybug uh, and Baby Bug, and those are 
short stories. It's very much like getting a, a literary magazine like The New Yorker, um, but for kids. And so there's short stories and poems and things like that. Um, and those are a great way for a kid to get excited about getting mail and also be exposed to a lot of good literature. National Geographic used to have a, a version for kids. I don't know if they still yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Consumer Reports at one point had a, a kid's spinoff called Zillions that you can still oh, wow. do online, but not in print anymore. Um, so there's lots of different ways for kids to read the way that they see their parents reading. Well, and that's, I was going to ask you, what's the best way for parents to raise children who read? And you're sort of alluding to that. Yeah. As pediatricians, we talk about modeling behavior for your kids all the time. If you want your child to wash their hands after they go to the bathroom, they should see you washing your hands after you go to the bathroom. If you want your kids to be safe drivers, they should see you being a safe driver. If you want your child to be a reader, they should catch you reading too. Um, They should see books around the house or newspapers or magazines around the house. Um, you should take them to the library, read with them, um, engage them in saying, I'm going to read this book and maybe we could read it together. Um, and I think that's a great way to raise someone who thinks that reading is important. And most of the libraries in the area have a variety of programs to attract young read- readers of all ages. Absolutely. But- and I'm so glad you brought up the libraries because a lot of times my patients will tell me that um, they don't have a lot of books in the house because they can't afford them. And books... Uh, for some, certainly can be viewed as a luxury, but anyone can get a book for free at the library. And particularly in Onondaga County, we have such a wonderful library system with um, librarians who are so eager to help you locate the book that's just right for you and your child. And it's a great way not only to access books, but to um, use all the programming that they have. They have free story times. They have things for teens. They do great programming over school vacations. Um, So it's a great way to access more books. Well, and too, to be able to bring your child in there and tell them they can pick out on their own, you know, and they can go home with seven or eight books. Absolutely. I mean, to walk out with an armload of books like that and know that these are yours for three weeks and all you have to do is not write in them, rip the pages out and get them sticky and then bring them back is... Is yeah, a joy. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I have to say, my son um, got his library card over the weekend, and it was like he was so proud. But I also got all <laughs> choked up. Um, but he he wore it around his neck on a lantern. He looked like this is my first adult thing, and he said, "You know, I'm responsible for these books now." He was very yes. excited about it. So I think um, I think it's a great way to expose your child to books. Well, we're talking with pediatrician Jacqueline Siskin uh, from Upstate about reading um, on Upstate's Health Link on Air program. Well, um, let's talk now about how books can be used as a tool to broach difficult subjects. Um, How do you envision uh, using books for a a parent, using books to broach a difficult subject with a child? I think there are so many things that a parent might feel uncomfortable just talking to their child about. And having a book as a go-between, being able to read something together and then say, how did you feel about what we just read? Or look what that character was going through. Is a, a way to diffuse what could be a difficult discussion. A lot of parents ask me as their children start entering the 10, 11, 12 age group, you know, is there a book that we can talk about puberty? I don't want to talk about this on my own. And so yeah. there's some yeah. great books out there. Um, one is called uh, What is Happening to My Body. Another one is called Who Has What, which talks about different body parts. Um, There's a fantastic book called The Care and Keeping of You that's in the American Girls Collection uh, that does focus just on female puberty, but it's a a great book that sort of takes the onus off the parent parent. and and you can talk about it. Um, But also there are some, some difficult subjects that parents sometimes don't know how to explain. For example, um kids that feel different. You know, a a child perhaps comes home and says, oh, there's someone in my classroom who um, 
looks different for me or speaks differently for me. Perhaps there's a child in the classroom with special needs. And there's some great books to talk about how we're all different. Um, one of them that I love is called Not Your Typical Dragon. It's by Dan Barrell. And this is a book about a dragon who does not uh, breathe smoke and fire. And his family's really upset about it. And his classmates are really upset about it because he's just so different. You know, they call him weird. Why can't he do everything else that everyone can do? Um, and yet what comes out of his mouth in all these different situations is exactly appropriate for the need. So they take him to the doctor to see why he can't breathe smoke and fire. And when he opens his mouth, Band-Aids come out. Um, and in another situation, he opens his mouth at a party and, and whipped cream and balloons comes out and everyone's so excited. And at the end of the book, there's a, a fire. And when he opens his mouth to roar and make smoke and fire like everyone else, water comes out and oh, it puts out the fire and saves sweet. the day. And everyone realizes, you know, he's different, but he has a special skill that he can provide. And I think that that's a great way of looking at a, a different perspective without sitting down and having a child read, you know, everybody is different and here's why. Right, it just puts right. it in a different context, right. um, which is kind of fun. There's another book that I love in this category and it's called Red, A Crayon Story by Michael Hall. And this is a story about a blue crayon that is wrapped in a red wrapper. And because he's wrapped in a red wrapper, everyone thinks he's red, and he's told he's red. And in school, he can't draw red strawberries, and he can't draw a fire truck. And, you know, as he draws a traffic light, he gets very frustrated. Orange comes over to play. Or I'm sorry, yellow comes over to play, and they're going to draw an orange, but instead they end up drawing this weird green thing. <laughs> and um, finally, one day, someone asks if he can help him draw an ocean. And he just says very flatly, you know, I can't because I'm red. And she says, well, why don't you try? And he draws an ocean and it's gorgeous. And the next page is him just celebrating, I'm blue. <laughs> and everyone realizes, oh, he's blue. He's been in a red wrapper the whole time, but he's blue. And it's just a great way to celebrate, you know, the differences all of us have, regardless of what we look like. So I love that book. I recommend it to almost everybody. And is that, and that's for elementary age? Yeah. Or, I mean, it's you know? a picture book. It's... Mm. Um, it's one of my favorites, but it's really just a picture book, and it's written, uh, there's perhaps only 10 words per page, wow. and it really gets okay. the message across. Very neat. Yeah. Well, you were, uh, were also mentioning a book that's um, being made into a motion picture. Yeah, so there's a book called Wonder that is um, becoming almost mandatory reading for both fifth and sixth graders oh. in our area, and it's a book about a child whose face looks very different from anyone else. He's got a genetic syndrome, so his eyes, his mouth, everything is dysmorphic. And yet, he is um, as intelligent, if not more intelligent, than a lot of his peers in school. Mm. And he gets put into a, a new school for gifted kids and has to go through making friends and doing all the sort of angsty middle school things, looking as different as he does. And it's really a celebration of him and what he can do. And it's not only a fantastic book, but I think it's going to be a great movie. And so what a nice way to say to your child, let's read this book together and then go see the movie And then together. go see the movie. Absolutely. Exactly. exactly. Well, let's, uh, what about um, series of books or, or books for advancing readers, kids that are getting older and sort of wanting to read on their own? Yeah, do absolutely. Do you have some favorites? I think that... Um, Kids, as they get older, wanting to read on their own is great. And especially if you've had a child where, you know, if you're listening to this now and you've got a three-year-old and you start playing some of these strategies, right. maybe you'll get a teenager who wants to read on their own. But if you have a teenager now that's not that interested in reading, finding a series that's right for them is a great way to get them hooked on reading because they can read the first book, be interested in it, want to find out what happens to the character mm. in the next one, and then all of a sudden you've got a reader on your hands. Um, 
there are some classic books from when I was a kid that I think still hold up because they teach about resilience and they um, harken back to a different time. I love when I read my kids' books where there were no cell phones and you couldn't text <laughs> and, you know, there'll be a runaway and my son will say, well, why didn't they just call on the cell phone? Like, because there wasn't one. So I think that books like uh, the Boxcar Children series um, mm. by Gertrude Warner or Little House on the Prairie by Laura Ingalls Wilder, these are Those classics. Are still, yes. And they yes. still hold up. Um, the books by Roald Dahl, James and the Giant Peach, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, uh, the BFG. I mean, those are great books. And a lot of kids enjoy them because in every single one of those books, the adults are terrible and the kids are the heroes. And that's just fun to read. Um, Harry Potter is a great series that got a lot of kids really into reading right. in the late 90s. Right. And now, um, again, you could read the book and see the movie. I actually haven't seen any of the Harry Potter movies because I liked the book so the much I didn't want it to change my view. Um, but for some kids, being able to do both activities with their parents, if they're not that into reading, might be a great way to lead them into reading oh, good point. more. Good point. You've given us some good titles to get started here, yeah. and we don't have time to go through all of them, but we are going to put a list that you've put together on our website, healthlinkonair.org, yep. um, so people can go there, and they can also go to the library and ask for suggestions from the librarians. Absolutely, and I'm also going to link to the website a, a bunch of other websites where you can have um, reviews of Perfect. books that are written by teens and kids and are sort of vetted out by um, teachers. Well, that's good to know. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for being here. We've been talking with upstate pediatrician Jacqueline Siskin, and you've been listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.